Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, so let's get caught up, eh? Let me just tell you very quickly, because, you know, that time thing means nothing to me. (laughs) So let me just tell you very quickly what's happened over the last little while. My name is Curtis Hines, by the way, for those of you who've never met me or don't know me, and you're wondering, why is this guy up here? Um, I have moved on from Catch the Fire Toronto being our, our home church, as you know. How many of you know that? You saw my Facebook thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you need to know that I have not moved on from Catch the Fire, okay? Because, you know, you know, when people move on, it's like, ooh, especially pastors, it's like, ooh, they moved on, ooh, something must be wrong. Nothing's wrong, guys. Like, stop that, okay? It was just time for us to move on. We're still part of Catch the Fire world. You, you may not know, but um, my role there is as uh, our world lead evangelist, so I got a group of fire-breathing animals around me, and, and we're just nurturing each other and encouraging each other. So that's still happening, okay? So I may not be here every Sunday, but it's all good, right? Um, so I got to say this, though. The most enjoyable thing that's happened to me in this last year, uh, year and a half, has been my family. The most enjoyable. And my son got married in December. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, for the 2020 congratulations. I appreciate that. Um, my daughter got married in September. That's just so cool. It's just so cool because, you know, and then our youngest went on to university. She started university recently. Yeah. So our house is now an echo chamber. How many of you have experienced the empty nester thing? Okay, could someone please have warned me what it was going to be like? Like, seriously, I thought that I was prepared for everything, and that house being empty, oh my goodness, it is an adjustment. I'm just sitting there in the morning staring at Debbie, she's staring at me, and it's just amazing. But the beautiful thing about it is I gained a wonderful daughter-in-law and a wonderful son-in-law. Kara and Aaron are here today. Stand up, guys. Just show off my my awesome family. My son and daughter-in-law, are are you guys here? No? Because you should have been up at the front if you're here. Okay, no? Um, so, but, but, but more than that, as all, in addition to that, my tribe is here today. Stand up, tribe. There's my tribe. Stand up, Rose. Kara, Aaron, this is Rose, our sweetheart, gave her life to the Lord. My daughter, Delan, Javanta, Carter, <laughs> Amy, and Lily, all have given their lives to Jesus, just love Jesus. Woo! Come on. Okay, guys, you can sit down. Folks, you know what? So life is good. Life is good. But, but how many of you know we're living in a time right now when it's almost, almost a bittersweet sensation because things are also 
kind of kind of difficult for us in our everyday existence living in and out of this thing called life it's almost as though you know the sweet by and by feels more like the dirty now and now you know and and that's 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 the the case for many of us that's the case for the majority of us what i want to talk to you about this morning or this afternoon is is simply that listen I have the opportunity of working as the uh, chaplain coordinator for Peel Regional Police. Many of you know that. I've done that now for 13 years. Well, they decided this year, after 13 years, nothing moves fast with police. They decided after 13 years, they want to hire me. So I've been hired as of March. Um, so they're paying me, which is pretty cool. And uh, th this great opportunity because I think I'm, I think I'm um, one of four... Um, Chaplains in Canada that are actually paid to, to, to be a chaplain. But here's the cool thing. The cool thing is we're changing that terminology. I'd like to change it from chaplain to spiritual support coordinator. Because there are so many people within our, our, our regional police force that are not Christian. And the chaplain thing is a very traditional military Christian thing. So, um, so we're changing that. But it's, it's just been incredible. Here's what I want to say to you, though. The police have sent me on so much training. I've got so much training on PTSD, critical incidents, um, uh, pastoral counseling, all kinds of cool stuff. It's just amazing. But you know what has been really, really evident? Is the fact that, listen now, more than ever in our lifetime, and I would dare say, we will never experience it quite like this as long as we live. We are living in a time, because of COVID, of absolute over-the-edge issues of mental health. Depression, anxiety, oppression. It is unprecedented, folks. We will never again, follow me where I'm going with this now, we will never again in our lifetimes ever experience this kind of pressure on our culture. Never again in our lifetimes. I speak to healthcare um, practitioners, psychiatrists, psychologists. I spoke to psychologists just recently. And um, I, I, I was talking to her and I said, listen, I've, I've got a couple of people that I, I really would like to, to refer, you, uh, refer you to, or whatever, however that works. And, and you know what she said to me? Just an amazing woman, amazing woman. She said, Curtis, I cannot take on another new patient for the next four to six months. They are absolutely overwhelmed with the need for support, with the need for um, um, uh, people needing support. It's absolutely overwhelming right now. Listen, folks, we are living in a time, I believe it's the church's greatest hour. This is our greatest hour. When the need is the greatest, that's when the Holy Spirit desires to move the most. And I'm not going to take away from the fact that many of us in this room, it's touched my life and touched my family, have also been experiencing a lot of mental health issues, have also been experiencing a lot of the, the weight that's caused by, by COVID. But I want to tell you something. 
on your worst day, on my worst day, greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. I want to share with you today how to leverage ourselves, how to leverage our lives. Okay, listen, we're, we're already there, but I want to encourage you even more. That's, that's what this is all about. I want to fan that flame. The flame is already there. It's already in us. If you are born again, you know, sometimes, let me just take a step back here. Sometimes we need to get a little bit of correction when it comes to us constantly, and it's very good practice, and it's a very biblical practice that we're always calling, asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. Always asking the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and take up space in us. Absolutely. But here's the truth. The truth is that if you are born again, that anointing is already in you. The Holy Spirit already lives within you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. All right, here's the deal. Jesus shows up one day in the temple and he says, opens up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And what does he say? He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now, listen, folks, never before in our lives, and nor will we ever see again, a culture and the world that is more poor. What are you talking about, Curtis? Was Jesus just referring to the poverty that comes as a result of some economic disaster or people living on the streets or the poor, can, people that can't afford to feed themselves? Is that what he is speaking about exclusively? <clears throat> no, and yes and no. What he was really getting at were those who were poor in spirit. Because the gospel, the good news, only belongs to the poor. Never before, are you folks listening to me? Never before in our world have we ever seen globally, let's just take, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our region, a sense of poverty of spirit because of mental health and oppression issues. This is our finest hour, folks. It's our time to let our light shine. Our light is needed now because the world is showing up to be darker than ever. People are hurting. And you and I, the Spirit of the Lord that's on us, because he's anointed us to bring them good news. Now, hold on. Oh, here he goes. There's this typical evangelist who's freaking out on us here today, telling us that we got to go preach at everything that moves. No, 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 no. Follow me now. Follow me, because that's not what I'm saying. You and I will best represent Christ when we live a questionable life. We will best represent Jesus when we live a questionable life. Maybe many of us have heard and I just wonder how excited you are about this message that we got to preach at everything that moves. Oh, there's a leaf that's blowing. Go preach to it. Every single thing that we've been hearing about what they call evangelism, we call evangelism, is about us going after people. And how has that been working out for us? Well, I want to present something to you that's biblical, 
but it's the other side of the same coin. Okay. How many of us would just love to be able to be confident to know that we can do this? <laughs> Nobody? Just me? Well, I want to show you, I want to show you in this next little while that we have that you can do this. As a matter of fact, you're already doing it. I'm not one of those preachers that say, you know what? You're down there. I'm up here. If you could just rise to my level, folks, ta-da, you would be super spiritual. Well, yeah, well, me, Curtis, you're the guy who walks into Walmart and pulls people out of wheelchairs. No, that's not me. That's not me. But you see, what we have done, follow me now, follow me now. What we have done is, I believe, especially in charismatic circles, is we've created almost a, almost a spectator sport scenario. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. Well, you pay the admission. You come in and you watch the stars perform. And the stars, man, there's nobody that can hit a baseball like someone gets paid $6 million a year. There ain't nobody that can throw a football like someone who gets paid $20 million a season. I play tennis all my life. I will never play tennis the way Roger Federer does, but he's worth half a billion dollars. But you see, what we do is we somehow or another translate some of that type of spectator superstar stuff. Am I speaking to you here today? And what it does is I'm not saying people, I'm not saying we're lying. When we say, you know, we walked into Walmart, I just woke up in the morning, I yawned, brushed my teeth, and 10,000 people got saved. I'm not saying we're lying. But what I'm saying is that it produces something in us. And what is it that it produces? It produces the attitude of, did you hear that? I'll never be able to do that. Am I wrong? I am, then why aren't we doing it? Is it because we don't love Jesus? No, we love him with all of our hearts. You know why? It's because it's not attainable. But you know what is attainable? What is attainable is when you and I continue, I'll say continue, to live our lives questionably. Let me focus on that for a second. Fan the flame, O oh Lord. Fan the flame that's already in us. You don't need a flame to be lit unless you're not born again. The flame is there. We need to fan that flame, as Paul said to Timothy. Fan the flame that's, that's in you that came upon you when the laying on of hands. I want your flames to be fanned. I want you to get more of what you already have. You don't need to be given something. Church, the anointing is in you. You have been anointed to preach good news to the poor. You best represent Christ when you live a questionable life. I want you to turn for a moment, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to read something there. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones or whatever. And if you don't, I'm going to read it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Listen to this. Who is going to harm you, Peter says? If you're eager to do good, but even if you should choose to suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Isn't that good? Even if you, even if you choose to suffer for what's right, you're blessed. 
Do not fear their hearts. Do not be frightened, but in your Christ, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Now watch this. What does he say? Always be prepared. Always be prepared to do what? To give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason that you have that hope inside of you. Can we drill down on that for a minute? Because it's very sweet. It's the other side of that same coin. Always be prepared to give an answer. You know, people have said to me, Curtis, do you think there's anything wrong with us kind of actually kind of writing out our testimony so that we, we, we if we have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone that we actually uh, remember it? But it's, I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea because that's what preparation is. I shared earlier in the earlier service, uh, I come from a West Indian family. And, um, you know, I come from a West Indian family, and I came to Canada, Canada when I was like three years old. Um, you know, so many of you Trinis and Jamaicans will say, you're not really West Indian. You know, I have a Made in Trinidad sticker on me, just stuck on me. So I came here when I was three, but I was raised in a, in a, in a West Indian family, and I find this also in families, um, like African families and Indian families. You cannot go into a West Indian home and just open the cupboard and eat food. Hello, come on, wave at me. You can't go into an Indian home and just open the cupboards and eat food, right? You got you to gotta take the peas out and soak it for three days. I mean, it's just like you just don't do that. So, 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 so when, when you're going to have a meal in a West Indian home, you have to prepare for a long time. Come on, folks. If I said, come over to my house, come on, let's go. We're all going to head over to our place after and have chili. Guess what my wife's doing? She is Preparing. What does that mean? It means to get something ready to offer. Are you with me? That's what it means. It means to get something ready to offer. Prepare. The scripture says always be prepared. Be prepared to do what? Oh, I love this so much. To give an answer. Wait a minute. I thought our position was that we're supposed to be ready to pull out the gun at all times and just, hey, there's, there's one over there. Boom. Again, how's that working for us? We've got to find a different way. We've got to find a different way. This is an opportunity right now. I'm not a prophet. I don't want to be a prophet, but I'm going to tell you something. This is an opportunity for the church. This is an opportunity, and so far, it's so easy to generalize and forgive me. I'm not saying this church, I'm saying the church. So far, I think we're failing. But this is an opportunity for us, folks. The world is hungry. They're not hungry for religion, they're hungry for reality. They're hurting. People are hurting. We're hurting. People are hurting. Listen. We are prepared to give an answer. Well, here's my question. 
you have to be the kind of person, and I have to be the kind of person that somebody would want to ask questions to. Why would anybody ask you a question? What for? What for? Be prepared. Be ready to give an answer. Sandra shared something that was wonderful. She's with her, with her uh, hairdresser. That's exactly what I was, that was my whole message. Why would anyone want to ask you a question? You know why? Because you are the type of person who has best represented Christ because of the questionable, questionable life that you live. In other words, you're the type, in other words, you're a, you're a question magnet. Look, folks, I'm just, I'm just kind of stirring it up here. Some of us, most of us, the number of us, we're already there. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you some examples of this. I want to fan the flame because I'm going to submit to you that the way in which we are going to see people, people's lives changed is not because we target them as objects to be attacked. So often we have this dividing line between what is sacred and what is secular, between us and them. Guys, do you not remember what it was like not to have Jesus? We need to remember what it was like. And perhaps that would give us some compassion. Listen, one thing that has broken my heart is seeing how the love of so many Christians has grown cold over this last year and a half. It just, it just wrecks me. Where it's like, are you vaxxed or you're not vaxxed? What the heck is wrong with you? Who cares? Is that the hill you want to die on? That's not the hill that Jesus called us to die on, folks. The hill he called us to die on is the hill of loving people with his love. It's incredible to me how much, how much love is drained out of us. Oh, church, don't let this happen. Not now. Not now. Now is our time. I was in Home Depot yesterday, and I was renting a van because I had to pick up some furniture from some dear friends who like, here, take our stuff. <laughs> and so I went, got, got the van, walked in, walked into Home Depot. We're talking about being a best representative of Christ by living a questionable life. So I walked in and I just see this guy, one of the employees, he's pulling a garbage can out. And I just felt love for this man. Follow me now. So I just looked at him and I just felt love for him. And I, I, I so I walked up to him. I said, "Hey, how's it going? I want to rent a I want to rent a, a, a van because I got to move some furniture." And he fist bumps me, and he goes, "Oh, for sure." He dropped the garbage can right there, and he walked me into the to the little uh, tool rental section. And we began talking, chatting, and, and you know you can smile under a mask, right? People feel it. 
People feel it. So then we went out to get the, the, the truck and, the, and we're chatting and we're chatting and we're chatting and all of a sudden he goes, what, what, is, what is it about you? And I said, well, it's, you know, da, 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 da. And he goes, I knew you were a Christian. I knew it. I knew you were. Okay, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Was it because I'm so anointed and so super spiritual? I want you to follow me now. Grab this. No. You know what it is? It's because, number one, I showed interest in him. I engaged him. Now, folks, listen to me now. Anointing, the anointing of God flows from his love and compassion and empathy. That's how his, that's how his presence flows. His presence flows from his love. You and I will best represent Christ when we live a questionable life. And the reason people will ask us things like, what is it about you, is because of the fact that you smell differently. Oh, you don't believe me? Okay, let's turn very quickly, very quickly over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2, beginning of verse, beginning of verse 15. Look at this. This is beautiful. This is you. This is me. Paul says, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Did you see it? <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know about you. That's awesome. You, you, you are an aroma. What is, what is he talking about? That anointing that is in you smells differently. People will sense it. They will smell it. Now, here's what he says. To those who are being saved, you're an aroma unto life. But to those who are perishing, you are, who are not, who are, who, are, who are against God, you are an aroma of death. But you smell do you believe that? You best represent Christ when you live a questionable life. How do we allow that smell to come out of us? By engaging with people. Folks, let me give you, let me give you an encouragement. I want you to leave this place and start smiling at people more. I go running, I've got this running trail around our house there, and I go running all the time. I, I freak people out because I always say hello to them when I'm on a running trail. I say hi, they, wow, they jump out of their skin. I was in the elevator the other day, and this cute little Indian lady was there, and, and, and you know, I, I sometimes I intentionally get in the elevator and walk over to the side where, you know, all the buttons are because I, I want people to ask me, or I ask them, what, what button do you want me to press? Right? Why do I do this? Because you're an evangelist and you have to have a testimony. I could care less about giving a testimony to anybody. I could care less about that. You know why I do it? Because that anointing, which is God's love, is in me. I just love people. 
I just love people. Do you? Then smile at them. When, I'm in the, when I was in the elevator, I said, what floor would you like to go on, dear? The lady looked at me like, I don't think her husband's called her dear in 45 years. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> who is this young man, right? And I could feel it. I could see it. She could feel it. She could see it. What is it? It's the anointing. It's God's presence. It's, does she get saved? No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. Questions, when people begin to ask you, let this, let this be an asset test to us this, this afternoon. It's okay to face, look yourself in the mirror, folks. If you're the kind of person that goes into a restaurant and you don't look the waiters in the eye because they're there to serve you, you need more of Jesus' love flowing out of you. If you're the kind of person you see somebody struggling in a parking lot and you don't assist them and help them, then stop coming into this place and asking for more for God to fill you. Pour out what's already there. If you see this old, a little old lady and she's struggling with her bags and your inclination is not, you're not being moved to help her, you need adjustment. Ask for his love to fill your heart. Let's end. Let's end. I want to encourage you. Engagement, folks. Engagement. 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 When you leave this place, engage. Engage. Don't be afraid to. What if people don't reciprocate my, my love? Huh. Okay, then you're like Jesus then, right? Maybe, you know, maybe you might have to go to the cross. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all right. The Bible says that Jesus was, was, was with crowds of people. Get this. And he, and the, the scripture says, he was moved with compassion towards them. What does that word mean? I think it's a transliteration from the original Aramaic to, you, you theologians help me out here sometime, you can Facebook messenger me. I think what it means is, it's a word splangdizo, which means, listen, to have the bowels yearn. You know what this, you know what our culture needs? You know what, you know what our, you know the people in our world need? They need the church's guts to be moved towards them. That's what people need. That's what we need. That's what, we need to allow that anointing. You keep transposing anointing with compassion. It's because it's the same thing. And when his, when his bowels were moved towards him, what does the scripture say? He had compassion on them. And what did he do? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His bowels moved. You know why? Because they were racked with mental health issues due to COVID-19. And then the scripture says he went on and he healed them. Engagement is a doorway to questions. Questions become the doorway for the gospel. How do we do this, folks? Engage people on purpose. I've run out of time. Engage people. Be approachable. Be approachable, church. Be approachable. Please. Please. You know, people say some people have a resting mean face. There's another word they use in there, but I won't use it. 
Well, you can't help the face you have, right? It's all good. But you know how you change your resting mean face? By saying hello to somebody. By finding a need and meeting it. Curtis, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that when we engage with people, it opens the doors for questions. Questions open the door for the gospel. Be approachable, be interested, be friendly, be compassionate, be present. You will best represent Christ when you live a questionable life. Leave this place today. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand, Father. Thank you. Leave this place today. And let's, let's make it our mission. I'm going to say this, and I could be in trouble for it. Don't, let's make it our mission not to preach at everything you see. Let's make it our mission to engage, to allow God's love and compassion and empathy to flow out of us. Because that will open the door to questions, which will open the door to us being able to say, it's Jesus. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Father, I just thank you so much for everyone here, my brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you so much that we're one giant family. Once again, folks, if you are here and you've never said yes to Jesus. I think it's, the point has been belabored. Be, be, be connected to God, please. I, I beg you. Not religion. Don't be connected to religion or me. Or Be connected to God. I, I, I beg you. How do we do it? Well, Sandra laid it out very, very nicely. So did Lillian. It's, it's very simple because Jesus did all the work already. By dying on the cross 2,000 years ago, the reality of that blood he spilled. What's, what, what's with blood? Blood has to do with covenant. It's a covenant. It's an agreement. It's an agreement. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a covering and elimination of something. It's an exchange. That's what it is. Jesus has exchanged every wrong thing you have ever done. Has exchanged it with an absolutely clean clean bill of health, a bill of health that's so clean that it will last you through all of eternity. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I thank you for dying on the cross for me, dying a horrible death, forgiving me of my sin and all the wrong I've ever done. And I accept you. I receive you into my life. You're feeling it right now. This crazy story of this Jew that lived 2,000 years ago. Who'd ever believe in that? If God wanted to save the world, I think he'd come up with a better story than that. But that is the story. And that's what we have believed. Why? Because of what you're feeling right now, which is the invisible, immortal, holy spirit of God. So just say yes to him. And Father, I just ask your blessing upon us as we lift our hands to you right now, every one of us, Lord, beginning with me. Lord, we need you. We need you to fan those flames in us. Lord Jesus, would you, as we leave this place, would you constantly remind us 
of who we are and what our place is in this world. Lord, let our testimony be during this time of unprecedented pain in our lives and in people's lives. Let our testimony be that we have discipled the nations one person at a time. And Jesus, we give you all the thanks. We give you all the thanks and all the, all the honor and glory. All of it goes to you, Lord. Amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions, and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.